Welcome to the show. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The phone numbers are 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. The email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com and uh, always on Twitter at Pete Callender. And that is K-A-L-I-N-E-R. Callender with a K. Um, So what is the objective now when it comes to protecting kids at schools? What's your objective? You need to ask yourself this question before you engage in any of the online discussions and uh, in-person debates and such. What's the objective? Now, on the one hand, if your objective is to limit the attacks on schools and to prevent kids from being shot by crazy people, evil people that enter the school building, Okay, well, there are a number of things that we could do to fortify those facilities to help, you know, prevent the attackers from gaining access into the place where their victims are. But if your objective is to advance a political agenda, which includes all sorts and manner of uh, gun confiscation, gun control, gun limitations, sensible common sense regulations, whatever. If that's your objective, I would just ask that you wait until the parents bury their babies before you engage in that because it's kind of ghoulish. It's very ghoulish, actually. You're using dead children to advance a political position. Now, if, again, if the objective is to limit the attacks and prevent the murders, then I welcome you to the discussion, right? Because that's the completely necessary conversation that should be happening and should have been happening. And every time one of these shootings occur, people that are generally Second Amendment supporters try to offer up ideas. And if you want to see how this goes, go take a look at my Twitter feed today. Because... The debate that I found myself in with for simply pointing out that people on the right, people uh, who are Second Amendment supporters, even if they're not of the, on the right, they have ideas. There's this there's this assertion that is made by Democrats and then amplified by their allies in the media that there are no ideas that all the right does and all the Second Amendment supporters do. All they do is offer thoughts and prayers. Which, by the way, thoughts and prayers are important. And, you know, not for nothing, but you kind of sound like a jackass when you say that people should not offer thoughts and prayers. It's called comfort. It's called uh, grieving with people, empathy, sympathy. These are very human things that you could display rather than simply lashing out at political adversaries because you, much like most sane, decent people, have a hard time Uh, explaining in your own mind how somebody could do such a thing. So you go railing against people that you already didn't like too much because they disagree with you, uh, and it makes you feel a little bit better, I guess. And then you go about your regular life feeling, you know, morally superior, having signaled your superior virtue to everybody uh, on your friends list. But if the objective is to actually 
prevent this sort of thing from happening, then there are things that we could do. Here's an example. After one of the school shootings several years ago, I was working up in Asheville, and I had a fellow call in, uh, and we talked, and then we ended up, I got his information, we talked offline later on. Fascinating guy. He used to be a uh, Secret Service agent, guarded presidents and such, and he had retired up to the mountains where his uh, family lives, and his his, uh, kids and grandkids are there. And he had young grandchildren, and they attended public school. And after the school shooting, he wrote a letter and then I think went down and spoke to the school board and offered them a couple of suggestions. He said, first off, and he had purchased a couple of these products. They are, I don't remember the exact name of it, but it's a, uh, it's like a door jam plate. So it, it, it sinks into the floor, right? You, you stick it into the floor and, um, with the, uh, it's, and it's a plate. It goes across the whole bottom of the door and you can step on it. And when you do, it pops up this little plate that then prevents the door from opening. So it's a door jam, but it's, but for the most part, you know, you can lock it down. And so it's, uh, so you just walk right over it. It doesn't, you know, present any kind of an obstacle to the door. But if you go on a lockdown and there's some threat in the building, you can, close the door, lock the door, but also keep the door from getting kicked in because it blocks that from happening. So that was one of the things. And he offered, he had purchased two of them. He offered to give these two to the school so they could put them in the classrooms where his kids were, for example, um, or his uh, grandkids. He also had gunshot uh, medic packs. I forget what they were called as well, but he showed one to me. We uh, I met him for lunch one day, and he brought these products, and he showed me what it was. Uh, and, and these things are pretty standard issue in, like, military and that sort of thing, and medic, I think, has them. And, and, it, it, and it's a gunshot survival kit. So you, you, you take this thing. I forget what it's, like, made out of. I want to say it's, like, it's made out of, like, the scales of fish or something or other. It's a really – anyway. So you take this stuff, and you pack it into the wound – and it essentially acts as a as a gauze and helps to uh, stem the the uh, the blood flow and all that. He offered to donate these packs and provide training to the school. And they they first did not respond to him, and then when he forced the issue, they never agreed to do it. So what's your objective, right? What's the objective? And I understand that people are like, oh, I can't believe we have our kids doing active shooter drills, which, by the way, from what I've seen, they don't, it doesn't really, doesn't really have an impact. It, it does traumatize the kids. It scares them a lot. <clears throat> but uh, as far as preventing a shooter from gaining access to the building and killing a bunch of people, the, the shooter drills, not terribly impactful. They can help. Don't get me wrong. And, and, I don't reject any of the ideas, but I do reject the idea that uh, we are supposed to be outraged that we have the active shooter drills and, oh, my God, what kind of a norm, uh, a new normal is that? But on the other hand, we reject hardening of the institutional target because, oh, my gosh, we don't want that to be the new normal. There are ways, and I know I, I, I make 
mentioned I am a Gen Xer, and so the best generation. Well, alive. The greatest generation is the greatest, obviously. But then I would submit Gen X. Um, and I'm, it has nothing to do with the fact that I am a member of Gen X, I think. But I think Gen X is also. Anyway, I think anyone who has ever played any kind of a video game, a base building type of a video game, recognizes that you can, in fact, harden the target. You can, in fact, make a building so difficult to penetrate that people move along. Why do you have a why do you have a alarm system on your home? Why do you lock the windows? Why do you close the doors? Right? Why do you take these steps? Why do you have, you know, some ferocious chihuahua? Why do you do like as a guard dog, obviously? Why why do you do these things? Because you are trying to send a message that if you try to gain access to this property, there's going to be a cost, right? There's going to be difficulty in you doing so. And uh, that should be the way we approach school shootings. Again, if your objective is to limit the school shootings, then you should be looking at making kill boxes out, you know, where the people are uh, entering the building. You funnel everybody through the one central point and you make that the lockdown zone. Anybody comes in that area, they're trapped. And bad things happen to them. That's how you do that. I'm not an expert on this stuff. I've just played some video games in my life. I don't understand why this is so foreign of a concept to all of the people that are supposedly trying to make sure that we reduce the number of attacks on schools. Seems to me like you'd be taking ideas from anybody. Unless, of course, your objective is something other than limiting the attacks on schools. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. What's the objective? I'm going to get into uh, some of the explanation for the mass shootings that have been uh, offered up over the years. One of the other things I would also point out, whenever you start having any kind of a discussion about guns um, and gun violence, for example, um, you will probably find what I have found to be the case, which is that the vast majority of people that call for more restrictions in the wake of mass shootings don't actually know what restrictions exist. They don't know very much about guns in general. Um, and so usually it's a good idea to ask folks, you know, what's a semi-automatic that's, the, that's, that's sort of the first step that I take usually if I'm having a discussion with somebody about gun control or shootings or whatnot, because a lot of times they do not even know what that means. And they scream it like it's, a, uh, like it's an automatic rifle. They say semi-automatic as if it's an automatic, and they're different. Um, but even then, you know, semi-automatic, one pull, one gun, or uh, one pull, one bullet, that's, but you can pull the trigger very quickly, right? So again, what's the objective? Told the story about the door jam plates and the uh, the gunshot response kits. Um, there are other ideas. There are some 
you know, uh, red flag laws. There's some promise, I think, in some of that. I'm not crazy about all of the ideas. It's a very big umbrella. There are all sorts of ideas underneath it. Um, the problem is I don't trust a lot of the people who advance these ideas because their objective is not the same as mine. Their objective is to is to restrict guns, is to take up the guns. It's And you, you know this is the case because that's what they say in the wake of all the shootings. They use the shootings in order to promote their agenda. And I and I'm not saying that to insult people. I understand why. I mean, this is it is a it inspires fear and horror and grief and anger and all of these things. Absolutely. The same thing that the shooting up in Buffalo a couple of days ago, which, by the way. Um, there is really good evidence that this is sort of a contagion. It's not a it's not a copycat. It's more of a especially with the, the school shootings. It's more of a, a ritualized undertaking. They they see themselves as part of a group. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, there's also what's called the uh, the cascade effect. I've I've talked about this for years. So if people listen to me back up in Asheville, listening on the podcast, you know where this is going. You're, I'm going to get into before Donald before Donald Trump broke his brain. Tom Nichols was a was a pretty level-headed kind of guy especially on uh on these topics. And he might still be on on this topic specifically. But then Trump got the nomination and and Nichols went full, you know, anti-Trump, never Trump and and he sort of threw in with the the far left in order to, you know, make make common cause against Donald Trump. And and it broke him. It just, it just broke him. So He's yeah. anyway. So he has a, he had a piece, I should say, I uh, believe it was after the Dylan Roof shooting. And I, I, I interviewed him about it and it it was about the Lost Boys. There is there is a larger context. That cannot be reduced simply down to the guns. OK, and that's why people who are usually the loudest clamoring for the conversation to occur generally ignore what anybody else is saying other than themselves. So an 18-year-old gunman opens fire in Uvalde, Texas Elementary School, Rob Elementary, killing 19 children, two adults, according to Texas officials. The shooter, who I do not name, was killed by a Border Patrol agent. He was engaged with by law enforcement first. Law enforcement uh, officials said a Border Patrol agent working nearby rushed to the scene without backup and shot and killed the gunman. Two other law enforcement officers suffered minor injuries in an exchange of gunfire prior to the Border Patrol agent uh, arriving on the scene. He heard the gunfire. He ran to the scene and then engaged the shooter who had barricaded himself someplace into the uh, inside the school. The other two, I guess, uh, I don't know if they were... Uh, police officers or if they were school district officers or whatever, I, I'm security. I'm not sure. Um, but I also see this argument from gun grabbers, essentially mocking the argument that good guys with guns 
stop bad guys with guns, which, by the way, that is true. They do. The evidence is overwhelming. The, and, and to see this argument being used now as if it somehow disproves the idea that good guys with guns stop bad guys with guns, it tells you all you need to know about the level of dishonesty in a lot of these arguments. Because a good guy with a gun did, in fact, stop the bad guy with a gun. I would have preferred, everybody would have preferred that the two other officers had been able to stop him earlier. But they did stop him. The shooter is dead, taking the celestial dirt nap now. President Biden went in front of the nation, uh, making a plea for Congress to pass new gun laws. Also, all flags are directed to be flown at half-staff through Saturday to honor the victims. The gunman was wearing body armor. He had hinted on social media of an upcoming attack. There are now reports I've seen that he told two different people, hinted that there was going to be something going on, just some random people on the Internet. He crashed his car outside the school and he went inside. He had earlier shot his grandmother in the day. She's still alive, although clinging to life. Um, he was armed with a handgun and possibly a rifle, they said, and he began firing. Um, the shooting immediately renewed calls for stricter gun control laws and comes nearly a decade after a 20-year-old gunman shot and killed 20 children and six teachers at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Connecticut. According to the Uvalde School District website, Rob Elementary does not utilize a secure vestibule or buzz-in system to admit visitors. But it does have fencing around the school. Teachers are instructed to keep their classroom doors locked at all times. Both students and staff receive training in the event of an emergency that requires a lockdown or evacuation. The Robb Elementary staff does not include a police officer or security officer, but the district does employ four officers. That's all according to the Washington Times. All right, I'll let's get Richard on. Hello, Richard. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, how you doing? Uh, hey, I'm good. Hi, NYPD. Uh, I was an anti-crime, which is equivalent to street crime in New York. Took a lot of guns off the street. Gun control people don't understand that by bad guys, they don't adhere to the law. So the gun control is only going to take guns away from law-abiding citizens. That's number one. In terms of a solution for the schools... You have to protect the perimeter of the school first, mm-hmm. because if there's somebody who's dead set and killing young children, he's probably on a su- he's mentally ill, number one, and number two, he's on a suicide mission anyway. So you have to mitigate his ability to get inside the school, because if there's going to be a firefight, you want the fire to fight to be outside the school. Right. In addition... You probably need one other person, just in case he gets into the school, to kill this guy. It's very simple. What is important to us? What is more important than our children? If I go over the fence at the White House with an AR-15, I'm probably not going to make it to the White House. Yeah. So, first thing, the perimeter. Second thing is the interior. And you could do that with an armed person, access controls, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, the perimeter is imperative. So 
we don't, this person's not even, his ability to get into the school should be very, very minimal. Yeah. No, I agree. And this, it's one of the, it's one of the, the most obvious responses. And it is, uh, it's sad that the pushback that these types of uh, suggestions get because they're not in line with the true agenda, which is uh, gun control. Um, but like, why, why are, why are we still building schools the way we build them? Why, why would we not have adapted by now? Other societies yeah. have done this and I know it stinks and I know people are going to pine for the days when we didn't have to do that, but there's, there's obviously something else going on here. And yeah. even if the gun grabbers want to take every one of the, what, almost 400 million guns off the street and out of people's homes, they want to disarm the entire society. That's going to take some time, okay? I'm not even arguing that point with them. That's going to take some time. So in the meantime, how about we guard the perimeter a little bit better? How about we set up some barricades and and, uh, secure vestibule areas where uh, if you walk in there, you can't get out? Uh, You create sort of the the kill box, the kill zone for anybody that does try to storm it? You could do a man trap. Mm -hmm. You have to have somebody, a human being, that's willing to risk their life and and take out this person who is an imminent threat to poor little children. Mm-hmm. It, it, it has to happen. Richard, I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. Well, All right, take it easy. Um, here are some facts about mass shootings. This is from John Fund, National Review. and It's actually from a decade ago. That the chances of being killed in a mass shooting hasn't changed. It's about the same as being struck by lightning. And until um, uh, Sandy Hook, the worst, the second worst, and the third worst school shootings that had ever taken place were in Britain or Germany. It's kind of important. I mean, because we're always com- hearing these comparisons between us and you know all of these other civilized nations and such. He says we would be better off debating two taboo subjects, the laws that make it difficult to control people with mental illness and the growing body of evidence that gun-free zones don't work. But see, these are ideas that the Second Amendment supporters have and when offered up as part of the discourse to say, hey, how about we secure the perimeter? Hey, how about we look at, you know, the way we handle people with, you know, mental illness or Hey, gun-free zones don't really work. You basically just create a target zone. What happens? They're ignored. They're shouted down. That doesn't work. You just want to love your guns. You got NRA money. This is what we. This is the the. This is the nature of the discourse. So again, what's your objective? You trying to save kids' lives, or are you just trying to stand on the dead bodies to make some partisan points? Oh, I know that's a false dichotomy, but not really. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Economists John Lott and William Landis, back in 1999, did a massive study. They found that a common theme of mass shootings is that they occur in places where guns are banned. A massive study it took for us to figure that one out, but yeah. Example after example after example in the years since, 
people passing over, these shooters pass over harder targets and they go to the softer targets. Because the purpose is to murder as many people as possible. And you don't get to murder as many people as possible if some of them resist. And if you put a whole bunch of people into a place and just by nature, they are, you know, by definition, they're kids. They're unable to defend themselves. That's what the shooters look for. That's the intent. All right, I'll get Jonathan on here. Let's see here. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pete. How you doing today? Hey, I'm all right. What's up? Listen, uh, just a quick comment. I feel like that right now the narrative uh, has turned to children on every front. Um, children are under assault, not just with a school shooter, but that kid that did what he did was one of our children a year ago. He's 18. He was 17. He was still a kid. He's been pumped full like the rest of the kids with so many things that nothing is shocking. Nothing is shocking anymore. Well, and there's also very little to live for, right? I mean, if the planet is going to be dead within his lifetime and uh, yeah. everyone's going to get COVID and die, and I mean, just everything is terrible. It, it is. And I, I think that this goes back to a lot of different things that people that go straight to their gun narrative don't want to address because they're the harder issue. The harder issue is what happened to the American family? What, what has our pop culture done to completely destroy the American family. It's okay to act certain ways like that. It's okay to get on a, a video game and shoot and kill people because they're going to power back up. No, they're not. No, they're not. All right, and so hang on. I'm not aware, and I say this as a gamer, I'm not aware of anybody who thinks that the people power back up. I, I mean, you have to be a child, like literally like a five-year-old or something to think in those terms. But I will say this, the, the role of video games... These shooters use it as training. There's no doubt about that. If they're if they're um, going to do this stuff, they, they're going to go do the 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 first person shooters in order to get training. Uh, it's a simulator, right? So they're going to do that. But that doesn't that doesn't prompt people. It's not like somebody doesn't have murder in their heart and then sits down and plays some Call of Duty and now wants to go shoot up a school. I'm, I'm not even I'm not even going there. What I'm saying is it's on multiple fronts. Yeah. Um, if you're a boxer and you're in the ring, you're not just going to throw jabs. That's not the reason you're getting hit, because you can defend against a jab. But if you got a jab and a hook and an uppercut and a body shot, it's coming from all angles with these kids. And it's, it's coming from the curriculum in the schools. They've been fighting about that for a good while. Uh, we've got kids that have had such issues with the COVID situation that they don't even want to leave the house. Their parents are, are scared to death. Um, you're talking about the perimeter of those schools. Why wasn't that? I mean, that's common sense. What school board doesn't do that? Most of them. We want to go to a gun narrative. No, most of them don't. That's the thing. Most of them don't. There and think about all. Yeah, think about all of the money in the Build Back Better uh, bill. Right? Can we can we take some of that money? Take some of that money and use it to harden the schools to make them more difficult to penetrate. Could, could we do that? How about that? Is, is that an idea that maybe everybody could get behind? The reason they won't do it is because it doesn't further the agenda that's on the table. The agenda that's on the table is not helping these children. Yeah. It's trying to get guns out of the hands of Americans. You had to hand the Ukrainians guns, mind you, because they didn't have any. 
so, but now we don't get invaded because, like the Japanese said, there's a gun behind every blade of grass. So, no, we don't want to send our troops over there. The citizens will kill them before the military gets there. So they don't want to do that. And I know that that's far-fetched. I understand that that's, that's a rash. But I'm more concerned right now with the fact that our children, on so many different fronts, are being targeted, and the agenda is not to help them at all. The agenda is to use something them. political. Yeah, to use them. All right, uh, Jonathan, I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you. Um, I think it's fair. We, they are. They are getting it from all the different directions. I mentioned with the climate change stuff, you, you got the COVID stuff, the gender stuff, that's all of it. it, it it's nonstop. The long march through the institutions, family being one of them, the oldest. So here's from a piece Tom Nichols wrote, gosh, almost now 10 years ago, called The Revenge of the Lost Boys. He said mass killers, some of them are terrorists, others just murderers, some are merely vandals, others are are, uh, traitors and deserters, right? These young dysfunctional males, right? But they don't all gain the publicity that they crave, and that is what they crave, by the way. And that's why I, I try to cover these uh, these events the way I do. I don't, I don't identify the shooter. I, I rob them of that. I don't want to give them anything that they want. But recognize that I have to cover the story and I have to push back on those who use the story to further other agendas. So what these uh, shooters and these various dysfunctional young males have in common. They have their, obviously, the gender. Oh, sorry, sex. They're mostly white, although this shooter in Texas uh, apparently was not. And they're all, like, under the age of 30, peak destructiveness. Beyond that, they seem to share little except a stubborn immaturity wedded to a towering narcissism. In almost every case, they dress their anger in the clothes of ideology. We'll get into more of this up next on News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 